0: With that said, we have a lot to cover tonight, and Lord willing, I will be able to cover all of what I want to cover, uh, but I can go much longer than just 45 minutes, I assure you. So, Father, again, we thank you for this evening, Lord, as we continue the discipleship journey for the purposes of us to grow and mature in our walk as a disciple following you. Uh, but also, Lord, it's not just about us for sure. You want to do a work in us, but we want to then take that and then help someone else and disciple them up and point them to you, Lord Jesus, and, and use the, the things you're sharing and working in our lives, Lord, that we can turn around and share the, your word with others who are, um, that are needing to be discipled, Lord. And you want to use us, uh, use us as vessels to be, uh, be, bring you glory and honor. We again thank you for this evening, Lord, to gather here. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read, yes, verses 10 through 20. I don't think uh, we should uh, take out of anything from that section on the armor of God Uh, The full armor of God and I will emphasize that the full armor of God because uh, many people know what the armor of God is but they only like certain parts of it or they only understand certain parts of it and if you only put on part of it you are not protected from uh, the uh, attacks spiritual attacks that can happen in your life. So uh, we're going to talk about the the full armor of God and how important that is in regards to overcoming life-dominating sin that may be in your life or you know someone you're helping that this will be helpful for them to understand to help them get out of this life-dominating sins. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, brethren... And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador, ambassador in chains. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, if you notice in those 10 verses, you will notice the fact that it's mentioned twice to us that you must put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. And it's not just only to protect yourself, but notice at the very end of those verses is for you to have the strength and in the, the, the spiritual strength to be able to share the gospel with those who are lost. To share the gospel and to be a representative or an ambassador in chains that in, it may be speak boldly as it ought to speak. And there's a boldness that we must have in our lives as we walk with the Lord. We will have a spiritual boldness to be able to speak the truth in love, but to be able to speak God's truth. And it includes not only the gospel, but the whole counsel of God as the Lord leads you to minister to whoever it may be in front of you. If it's a non-believer, you only have one message to give to that person, and that's the gospel. You don't need to tell them and talk about anything else. Just bring them back to the gospel. Yes, they may want to talk about the creation. That's not a problem. God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. But let me tell you about who Jesus is. God in the flesh. And let me tell you what he did for you. Well, what about Abraham and how that whole thing? Well, Abraham, yes, a man who lived by faith in God. And he can't wait to see him in heaven. But let me tell you about Jesus who saved him. Oh, what about Noah? How could they have gotten all the animals on that ark? You, it's amazing what God can do and when he does with his creation and moves his creation to get on that boat two by two. And, and, and what God has did with a faithful man named Noah because he did it by faith. And let me tell you about the faith in Jesus Christ and you bring it right back to the gospel. Are you with me? Now, if you're talking to someone who truly is a believer and someone who is just weak and maybe they went to the cardinal side of Christianity, now you can talk about the gospel of remembering the day of their salvation, but now you bring them back to how to get out of their sin that they find themselves back into. That is what we're talking about tonight. And that is to overcome the life Uh, dominating sins if you remember we read uh, Romans 20 verse uh, chapter 6 of Romans verses 20 and 23 last week we also touched on in Ephesians chapter 6 as well and I we did uh, we took a couple of steps if you remember in our journey last week it was uh, step 91 it talks about God holds you responsible you and I responsible for all our deeds all of our thoughts All of our words and all of our actions, including those that are life-dominating, if they're dominating, you have to take responsibility for those sins. You cannot shift those sins onto anybody else, especially your parents or your grandparents or your brothers and your sisters and all those bad things that happen. You cannot shift your sin today back onto them. That is not going to hold any water when it comes to be in front of God. So you must take responsibility of those, including those that you have been told your whole life, maybe, that the reason why you had these sins because they're genetically predisposed or predispositioned into you, you have no control over them. That is not accurate. Also, or it's an an addiction, it is a disease, and that is just something, unfortunately, you got this disease and you can kind of manage it, like taking a pill and somehow You'll be able to get around. It. That you have to overcome these worldly philosophies and understand that more than likely they're not an addiction because of some disease. It's because of sin, the sin disease that you must deal with properly to overcome the life dominating sin in your life and be set free because Jesus sets you free on the cross. He's freed you from that chain of addiction and all these other things that you are classifying or people classify as life-dominating sin. You became a slave to whatever controls you. The scripture is very clear. You have become a slave to whatever controls you. And if there's anything in your life right now that is controlling you, a person or a thing or a place or you, whatever it may be that that thing or things or person or persons that seem to be controlling you in a way that's causing you into sin or be in sin, that's called slavery of sin, And you must overcome that. These things must be overcome. That's God's view. That's step 91. You're not going to get around God's view. That, and I give you many, many scriptures if you need them to help you overcome if something's hindering your mind going, I don't think I believe that. Well, then you need to get the scriptures more specifically with me because you need to deal with that with God um, you know, to, to get that settled. The next step was step 92. No matter how serious or long standing this sin is that's been dominating and you're a slave to can be overcome completely. It can be overcome completely and it can be a very short period of time that you can overcome it. It's not a long time. You've had it for 20, 30, 40 years. Now you say, oh, I don't have enough much more time in my life to overcome this. No, you can overcome it very quickly. It can be immediately or it can be in a very short period of time if you're willing to do it God's way. And that's what we've been studying for over the last several, several, several weeks of about doing it God's way versus the world's way. But you can overcome it. Whatever the seriousness is that you find yourself in, you can overcome it and quickly overcome it if you're willing to follow God's plan for all of your life. And there's many scriptures that we have covered over the, over the time. Now as we get into part two here, we're going to take on step 93 in regards to a life principle here of life-dominating sins and understand that God has... Um, Defeated Satan, you have to get that settled in your mind because so many times, oh, the Satan made me do it, the devil made me do it, the darkness. Okay, then why are you listening to Satan? Why are you listening to the darkness? Why are you even entertaining these kinds of things? Why are you even dwelling on these things? Bring those thoughts under captivity, and we've studied those in detail. But understand that God has defeated Satan through the death and resurrection of His of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. It's finished. It's done. When you put your promise in Jesus, it is finished. It's done. That's who you follow. That's who dominates your life. That's who controls your life. That's who you want and only want to control your life, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And through this overwhelming victory that God gives you, God has also empowered you to overcome any temptation to sin. Period. Period. There is no sin more powerful than the victory that God has given you and I in Jesus Christ on the cross. And you must understand, believe, and by faith follow that understanding. And has been proven sufficient resources as we've studied before. He'll give you the sufficient resources for you to respond to any biblically, uh, biblical problem in your life. He will give you the ability and the resources to do it. But you must rely upon God's power and not your own. You must be obedient to God's word and not your own. You must be, again, obedient to God's word and not what the world says. And anything else that tries to put into your mind that goes against the word of God, you must understand obeying the word of God will transform your life. And will overcome any Situation that is dominating you today. So we see, understand God's view on this. We understand not only God's view; we understand where our hope is in Christ. So the question now is: Your change, step ninety-three is your change. What do you? Mu- what must you do differently? You are immediately to stop. Yes. That's the commandment to us. You immediately need to stop it. We see the scripture, you must put off that sin. You must put off yielding to or placing yourself under the control of any sin that has enslaved you. Instead, you must determine to place yourself under the powerful control of the Spirit of God. You must wholeheartedly commit your life to following Christ and allow the Spirit of God who lives within you as a believer to dominate your life. You must feed your spirit with the Word of God and you must be in communication called prayer with your Lord to fulfill or strengthen the Spirit within you to have control over the flesh. Whether you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ or you're not, you, either way, you must understand it's faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone and relying upon the Holy Spirit living inside you as a believer to overcome these sins. You can go back today and read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 for that point. That means you must change. Your heart must change in how you see your sins. Partial obedience is still disobedience. So you must have a mindset that if you're going to disobey, you understand there should be a conviction and there should be a a, a change and go, oh, what happened? Why did I make that decision when I know I don't want to do those things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things I should be doing, as Paul says? You're not alone in these struggles, spiritual struggles. But so many Christians today have no problem being in certain sins because they don't think they're that big of a deal. It's a big deal to God. (laughs) Do you understand? It's a big deal to God. And if you're not feeling conviction anymore about these things, there seems to be a check in your spirit and correction, even on the smallest of scale from your perspective of sin, then you need to check your heart. That's what the scriptures tells us. That's what the word of God tells us. You must check and examine yourselves daily. If there's any wicked way in me, please reveal it to me. I want to know this because I want to confess it. I want to recognize it and I want to repent of it. I want to make sure I don't make those same mistakes again. That means you have to practice something new and that's step 94. 94. Step 94 says, Since God's word teaches that those who continually practice sin shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's very bold, that's very strong wording in the scriptures. Those who practice these things, they deliberately want to do them, they practice, they want to get better at doing what they're doing. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Go back and read Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. 1 John 3, verses 6 through 9. Ponder on those, if that just got a thumped your chest just now, you must repent. And make a thorough examine of yourself to determine if you are of in the faith, whether you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ or not. And you go back to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Go back and read Second Corinthians thirteen, 15, I mean thirteen five. Ponder on those verses. If you're working with someone and they say, "I don't think this is a big deal. God doesn't think this is a big deal that we're living together in sin and we're not married. I don't think it's matter because everything else I've got everything else in order." You need to share those verses with them in your discipling them. You must just. Just share the word. Don't give them any of your opinion and your words. Just read the word of God to them if they choose, they say they're a Christian, but practice sin. You must read those verses to them in love. Step 95 Make a thorough biblical evaluation of when, where, how, and with whom you commit sin with. You must take account specifically, you have to sit down and you must acknowledge and write down exactly that sin and write it down and you must look and examine that and say, when do I do this sin? Where do I do this sin? How do I do this sin? With whom do I do this sin with? That's causing it to dominate my life. I must examine this and I cannot just just pacify this and put it under the sweep it under the rug as they say. You must boldly deal with this sin in your life and you must shine light on it because if you don't shine light on it it will stay in the shadows of your life and continue to dominate you. That is why you still are having problems. Go back and read Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 you must be serious about these life-dominating sins. You must coach someone else and disciple them up if you're working with someone right now who's struggling. You must help them understand they must build a biblical plan to overcome these sins. They must examine them, understand what the scripture says about it, and then keep seeking after God in regards to clarity to have the the spirit emboldened and and fed and strengthened to overcome that sin in their lives. And you must give them hope that they can overcome that life dominating sin because many people have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and you'll hear them say that I have tried quitting I have tried this I've tried this I just can't do it I am and they become emotionally absolutely unglued when their god or little goddess is about to be taken away from them they'll you'll see all the outward signs of manifestation, of shaking and and fear and all the things outward and internally will come out when you're about to think you're about to give up your little god or goddesses that you've been holding on to. But they must go if you want to grow and if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. God's grace, God's wisdom... God's Word can change your life. Many people I've met, I read the Word, but they think they're reading the Word, but they're not reading the Word. They're just catching certain snippets and little vignettes and little flipping things. Oh, that is a cute little verse. Oh, let me go to the next cute little verse. But they do not study and meditate on the word of God and learn and apply it to their lives. They're just seeing the nice little quips. And then they, and it may touch their heart and they may go, oh, that, that hurt. Oh, I like these. These are much more encouraging. I don't like the things that cause me to make, think I have to change and remind me of my sin. I just want to think of the things that make me feel good. So they, what do you do? You go to churches that only talk about the things, the little vignettes that make you feel good. And at the same time, you're sitting there feeling good in the sin, the life-dominating sin that you never hear about in the Word of God that says you must change. That this will lead you to hell. This is not going to, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you practice these things. They don't teach in many churches these things anymore because they don't make you feel good. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is here to clean you up. That means you're dirty. It's going to take a little bit of scrubbing and it doesn't feel good sometimes when you've got some dirt ground right into your elbows and, and knees because you're just dirty and filthy. It's going to take a little bit of scrubbing. But you just have to remember, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you clean if you're a believer. He's done the work. Now just live according to the word of God. But if you're not a child of God, understand the good news that Jesus Christ died for those sins and his blood will cover and cleanse you and wipe you as white as snow. (laughs) What better hope and promise do you want? Than what the Word of God gives us. Why would you want anything else? Why would you want the filth of this world? If you know Jesus, you will no longer want the filth of this world. It will appall and it will turn your stomach. The next step is steps 96 take immediate steps to eliminate, to resist, to flee from temptation. You must remember those things. You must eliminate it. You must resist it. And you must flee from these things that seem to have, temptation seems to come your way. You must. You must have a plan. Don't just think about it. Oh, I think I'll do this. No, you have to have a plan. Rehearse the plan, practice the plan, let people know what your contingency plan is. I am bailing when it comes time. When the when the, the, the air, as we say in the Air Force, when the when the <laughs> the fire's about to get hit, you push the ejection button. Get out. Get free. Step 97, continually be in f- a faithful doer of the word. Be a faithful doer of God's word in every aspect of your life. Not just certain parts that you were willing because it's easy to do, but be obedient and a, be a doer of the word, not just hearers of the word. And so many people are just hearers. And they're not even hearing the full word of counsel of God. They're only getting the little cotton candy snippets that they make them feel good. But you must diligently follow your biblical plan to overcome your life-dominating sin or sins so that you can mature in a Christ-likeness in all of your thoughts, all of your actions, and all of your your ways about you your words and everything that comes out of your mouth it has to line up with the word of God and if you're not there then you're probably just getting to be a you're just a believer and you're growing so be patient it's coming you're going to grow and mature where it's not but if you've been walking for a while more than six months to a year then <laughs> and you're still your words coming out of your mouth sound like a worldly a cardinal person man examine your life it's got to go Stop coming up with excuses. I I don't take excuses, as you know. That's just justifying your sin. That makes it worse. (laughs) You realize that makes it worse. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. You probably don't work in the environment I'm working in. Are you kidding me? More like I'm older than you, and I've been in the world working in the worldly world around longer than you have, so don't give me don't give me excuses. Be a light for the Lord. If he didn't say you can't overcome that and he knows exactly where he's planted you in the work environment and he didn't, and I just told you that he is going to get, he's made it finished work. He's, he's, he set you free. And not only is he going to empower you by his spirit, but he's going to equip you to do everything he needs you to do. And you telling me he's limited on your life in that and work environment because of this situation? You do not know who your God is. You must study him and learn and you need to spend more time with him because you clearly do not know the God Almighty who saved you. That was being gentle, by the way. Because <laughs> you've got to remember, life is short. I don't know, my brothers and sisters, if you haven't realized we're coming closer to God, coming back to take us home, <laughs> come on. I don't have time to sugarcoat this for you guys. That's Wednesday night is not sugarcoating. I sugarcoat a little bit more on Sundays. That's why they don't come Wednesdays, because if they can't handle Sundays, they're certainly not coming on Wednesdays. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. As a child of God, you are not your own. If you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, He is Lord, you're no longer your own. You don't make determinations about your life. You just be obedient to your Lord and what He wants you to do in your life. You have been bought with the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ's life. It's His life that purchased you. His life that has given for you. It's His life that the Spirit of Christ now dwells in, in you and has sealed you for eternity, how much more hallelujah and praise and worship can you be focused on? How precious. The Holy Spirit is the, using your body as his temple. <laughs> Come on. He's with you 24-7. Don't say you're ever alone. I don't have help. No one's listening to me. No one's ever there for me. All of these things, because we get wrapped up in leaning on our own understanding versus acknowledging as a believer that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, the the God of the universe dwells within you, and you're you feeling like you're not you're all by yourself. It's a feeling. Get over the feeling. You got to get back on what's reality, what's true, and focus on that. Now, how do you do that? Like I said, I'm not going to have enough time tonight to do it. I'm probably next week going to have to finish the army of God up because I'm just getting wound up here. But putting on the full armor of God, let's give you that as quickly as possible here and see how it goes here. But, but the purpose of the armor of God, we must take up the full armor of God. because Why? Because it prepares you and I to resist the, the schemes of the devil. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 when we read that. The second thing is, is when we put on the full armor of God, it enables you and I to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. We saw that in verses 10 and 11 and 13 of Ephesians 6. We read that. And then the other purpose is that it protects all parts of your life when you put on the full armor of God. You ha- helps you to be equipped for walking daily in the confidence In the Lord. We saw that in verses 13 through 17. You want confidence to be able to walk a life that is pleasing to God? Put on the full armor of God. Every day, at the beginning of the day, at the very start of the day. Now, the need for putting on the armor of God, as a believer in Christ, your struggle is not merely a physical test each day when you wake up. Some of us, it's a test to get out of bed. Physically, we got that. But it's more than a physical test. You are going to be spiritually attacked every day if you're not careful. So we must put on the full uh, armor of God... It's because of the massive spiritual battle that we go against, and we saw that in the verse 12 of, of Ephesians 6, when it says we battle against rulers, powers, and the world forces of darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness. That is who is coming after us on a daily basis, especially if you're actually doing and being a doer of the word of God, you're going to be attacked even more because God doesn't, I mean, the enemy, the these darkness is not going to want you to be a light for christ where you're at work not going to want you to be strong in your family as a light for christ it's it's going to the darkness is going to come in after you and the wickedness you have to put on the full armor of god not only that as your adversary the devil tempts you to sin so that your effectiveness as a believer in christ will be destroyed we see that in first peter Chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. He is looking to stop you from being a light and sharing the gospel and, and doing a work for God wherever you are in your daily life. And if you're just going out there, like you don't even care, like no big deal, and you wonder why you're getting wiped out. Why so many brothers and sisters are being wiped out and no longer in the ministry or going to church or doing anything for God? Satan as a ruler and a deceiver of this world we see in John 12, 31. He diligently, consistently looks of tricks and ways and schemes to take advantage of you and all other believers in Christ. Go back and look at 2 Corinthians Chapter two, verse eleven. Satan, through the, his false messengers, continually tries to mislead you as a believer in Christ. Do you know that? Do you know Satan will use whoever he can to give you a sign of a messengers that seem to be the light, it seems to be these are sound godly things, but they're actually false teaching to cause you to walk away from. The biblical truth. Go back and read, I'll give you just one. Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. Go back and read that. You'll see what I mean by that. So the question is, how can you have confidence going into a spiritual battle? If you're going into war, you're going into a battle, don't you want to have all the equipment and know without a question in your mind that your equipment works against the weapons that the enemy has against you? Hello. Most people who are listening to me have gone to war or have been around war, or had family go to war. And you all know how important it is. That protective mask <laughs> better work. That the armor that was given to you better work. The, the, the gun that you have better work. You better have clothes that's going to be in good shape to be, keep you warm in the cold weather on those mountains. Goes on and on and on. You know, you want to make sure the equipment is on and you have it with you. When I went to war, I, prior to that, you would be, oh, let's do our protective mask uh, drill and make sure you get it on on time. Okay, here we go again. Now we're going to war. Chemical warfare is probably going to happen. You know, people on that plane was, sat there and practiced that maneuver to put on their protective uh, mask so many times, they took it seriously now. Why? Because we knew there was a high probability that was going to be gassing us as we came in for a landing. We were not messing around. Make sure no one touched my protective mask. Because I want to get it on as fast as I can. Do you see the urgency and understanding of the, the seriousness about it? And you and I so many times wake up in the morning and act like it's just a normal day of life. And oh... You know, oh, let me just, you know, get my cup of coffee. And, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do today. You know, it's just, well, I don't want to do anything. And, and you have no clue of the fact that the enemy is just waiting for you. Your, just to be distracted so he can take you out. That's why we must put on the whole armor of God because as a believer, you are a new creation, second Corinthians 5:17, and are established in your position in Christ. You're in Christ, Christ is in you. you must understand that Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17. Matter of fact, I'll give you some more because I think this is a point that is so important for you and I as a Christian to understand your position—the fact that you're a new creation. The old person is no longer. You have been bought. You have been changed, and now you're established in Christ. You must read Romans eight fourteen through seventeen. Go back and read Galatians chapter four verses four through seven. Go back and read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Go read Philippians 3.20. And finally, read Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Ponder on those verses and get those settled in your minds, my brothers and sisters, and memorize them, because when the enemy comes after you, you must understand you are established in Christ, period. Know the verses. That will give you confidence to go into battle each and every day. Because of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you as a believer can be more than a conqueror over the things that are going to come against you on a day to day basis. You no longer have to be enslaved to that sin. No longer. It's done. Make that determination in your mind and understand how Christ sees it and what he has done for you as a believer. You must, as a believer, have that confidence that you do not have to be enslaved any longer. And as a believer, you also need to hold on to the grace and the mercy The wisdom and the power of God. You must understand those things. How do you do that? As a believer, how do you have this free access, this ability to boldly come access into the mercies of God? Into the the freedom that God gives you? Into his grace, his wisdom, his power to live a life that is pleasing to him and no longer in life-dominating state. That is called prayer. So if you've heard this conversation, because we've had previous many teachings on the discipleship journey about a prayer life. If you do not have a healthy prayer life of communicating with God from the very moment you wake up your eyes to the very moment when you're trying to keep and you're going to sleep, if yours not a continuous prayer without ceasing constantly talking about all things i'm telling you you're at great risk and you're not going to have the confidence to live a life that's pleasing to him the enemy's going to have advantage of you and you must understand the holy spirit dwells within you you are enabled to be able to discern between what is good and what is what is truth and what is error you have the ability to understand what is true and what is false what you should do and what you shouldn't do why because you have the holy spirit inside you guiding you he's your helper god said the father said i'm going to help i'm going to send to you the helper jesus said it's so much better i leave so that god the spirit of god can dwell within you in a believer But if you don't listen to his voice and you're quenched the spirit by ignoring his voice, then you are opening yourself up to the, the challenges of not being divinely guided and you can go right into a potential trap and in, in going into opening yourself up to things of darkness that will come against you that day. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit can not keep you from fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Go back there and read Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. If you, do not, if you have the Spirit of God, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not complicated when people say, I, I have t- difficulties over my flesh. Well, because you're, because you're not walking in the Spirit. Why aren't you walking in spirit? Because you don't have a prayer life and you're not in the word of God and you're not around God's, fellow, God's people to encourage you. And because you pick and choose and come once in a while, you wonder why you're weak and you're causing yourself always to be falling into the flesh. It's not complicated. But you must practice godly things now more than you practice and you should no longer practice anything fleshly things. It's a decision. We all have the same decision. Daily decision. Who you will follow? God has given you and me His Word. He's given us the Bible, and you have to understand: the Bible is the sole authority to guide you in every aspect of your life. I. If you've been hanging with me anytime and you've been coming to men's studies on Thursday nights and studying the doctrines and you've been going to ladies studies and stuff and learning stuff, you know this to be true. You must practice reading and understanding and allowing the authority of God's word to direct your steps and how you lead your family, how you respond to people at work and other things. You must let the Bible have sole authority of your life. And i am give you a bunch of scriptures to meditate on and go back. Go back to Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. 19, 7 through 11 of Psalm. Psalm 119.11 Psalm 119.11 Also 119 verse 105 You all know because if you've been here on Sundays you understand 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 and how important is the fact that the scripture is from God. It's God breathed. Go back and read Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And finally, go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-11. through 11. Those scriptures alone, if you don't believe them, then you're in trouble. If you don't do those scriptures and understand what the value and understand what those are, you're in trouble. Come see me. I want to sit down and go with over the scriptures with you so you completely understand in context what those scriptures are telling you. That the the word of God, the Bible, has sole authority over your life. It must. So what's your responsibility? You must put on the full armor of God. First part was in verse 14. You must gird your loins with truth. The armor of God is designed for you to put the whole thing on, not just pieces. It doesn't work unless you put it all on. And there's a very specific ways in you, that you have to have it on for spiritual battle. You must remember God's armor is totally sufficient for you to resist the devil and to stand firm against him. Period. Complete confidence. So gird your loins with truth. Why? Because the belt held by a Roman soldier's tunic out of the way for him to have easy movement during the battle was not restrictive. The belt helped to bring up and and keep things together, that belt with all the other pieces. It had to be in place. Just like the Bible's truth allows you and I to move more freely in everyday life. The biblical truth allows us to move very freely with confidence because we're in truth. We're not going to be, it will be unhindered and untangled by sin and ready to do spiritual battle because we put on the spiritual belt of truth. God's word we follow, period. You don't put the belt on, you don't follow God's truth, you are, don't have the, the you're gonna be restricted and hindered and unability to fight against the spiritual battles that are coming against you. Truth comes solely from God's word. Period. Period. Second part, at the, also in Ephesians 6:14 having put on the uh, breastplate of righteousness. If you remember, the Roman soldier would receive severe hand-to-hand combat blows. When they're there, they needed something to protect their vital organs. You must put that plate on. You must be on it. That means you have, in regards to the obedience to the Word, God's Word in all your deeds, your thoughts, your words, your actions... By putting the breastplate on, that means you're just literally putting on and being obedient to God's word. You're equipping you to stand firm and not be overcome of any of Satan's diabolical attacks and crafty schemes that come against you. Because that breastplate of of righteousness represents you're thinking rightly, godly. You're speaking godly. Your your actions are godly. When those actions line up with the truth of God, that's going to protect you from hand-to-hand combat from the enemy. Because the blows are going to come. Someone's going to try to strike you with something. But if your actions and your words... And your thoughts are in line with the scriptures; they cannot use that against you. Your Christ-like actions is the breastplate. Your faith in Jesus Christ is your breastplate. You must put it on. The next one is in Philippians six fifteen. You must shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace every soldier had a sandal boot that was made to protect his feet from injury and enable him to take long marches over rough terrain and to keep him from slipping and you should and I should be equipped spiritually by the liberating message of Jesus Christ so we have solid footing that we walk on every single day who do we live for, who do we stand for, what's our mission, we must have our feet ready and solidly planted in what our purpose is each and every day Being equipped or prepared by the gospel of peace gives you as a believer in Jesus Christ great encouragement and assurance because you have been reconciled. You have received and and experiencing the peace within you because Jesus Christ dwells within you who is peace. If you don't have peace, you have not put on the shot, you haven't put on your feet the gospel of peace. You do not have that assurance and that peace within you of, of the assurance of the peace of God. You must put on that sandal. You must equip yourself understand understanding, equip and prepare by the gospel of peace that gives you that ability. Be ready to tell others how they also can be reconciled to God, at, be at peace with God. When you're at peace with God, you have such a surety when you go out for, into battle. Next one is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. And this one talks about taking up the shield of faith, which will, uh, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles that are coming in on you. Every day there's these spiritual missiles or darts coming flying at you. And a Roman soldier trusted in the efficiency of his large body shield that was provided for him. While these flaming uh, fires of uh, arrows come raining in on him, he had the confidence of God's protective care and sufficiency through Jesus Christ. God's word is sufficient for anything you're dealing with in life. You have that assurance. You and I must remember that you are never adequate in your own strength. You are not adequate to win against Satan. Absolutely not able to. But when you understand that you have the shield of faith in Jesus Christ, he is your savior, he is going to protect you, and he has paid the price, you can overcome any attack by Satan. Your faith, your trust in God rests on the sure foundation of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it overcomes the world. We see that in First John chapter five, verse four and five. But you have to understand, faith is not just simply belief in correct facts. Biblical faith rests in the action that conforms to the word of God and brings glory to the Lord. When you have faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross, it will compel you. You realize you're saved in him. You've completely been forgiven. You're white as snow. You are no longer going to be held in regards to the the sin you've been forgiven. you now will propel you to go forward by faith and you will do things for God and battle through each and every day even when the enemy comes after you. We see in Ephesians 6.17, take, take the helmet of salvation. You must put on the helmet. You must, as a soldier, put the helmet on to protect your head from crushing blows from the enemy. So your reliance on the completeness and the certainty of your salvation, you must be certain, I am saved." That's what it means to put in the helmet of salvation. So when the enemy starts throwing fiery darts and telling you you're not saved, and the temptations keep coming and creeping up and over, all the past starts flooding in on you and they're just bombarding you, you have to stop and say, "I'm saved. I'm not entertaining these thoughts. That's not speaking of me. That's the old man. That's not me anymore. I am saved. I've got the helmet of salvation. Protect you from those thoughts. You must hinder uh, anything coming into those thoughts and then start creeping in and convincing you that you're not saved. That is just the enemy. You have to realize that the penalty for your sins that you've committed today have been paid. They've already been paid, dealt with. God is just in the process of conforming you into his image. It's called sanctification process. That is what we're going through. We will hit our glorified state when we're in his presence. And I hope soon and very soon. Not only are you to have the helmet of salvation, we also see in verse 17, you must pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You must fight back with the Word of God. Not psychobabble, not worldly thoughts, Not your own opinions. You must, my brothers and sisters, you must memorize the scriptures. You must get the Bible open if you haven't been able to memorize it. And just open the Bible and make sure you have certain tabs and things you can turn to very quickly. And just open right up and start reading it so that you can fight back against the things that the Satan wants to throw at you. You must. You must. Build a plan. We've heard me talk over and over. You must have a contingency plan. You must build a plan of action to deal with these things. You must then enact it and practice them so that you will not be moved away from the foundation that your life is based upon, which is Jesus Christ, and not on your emotions and feelings and thoughts and the world and the things are crashing in on you and your health and all these things. You must be grounded and you must fight back. And that is what you fight back with, with only the Word of God. Because the Word of God gives you the wisdom that leads to salvation. It continues to accomplish the spiritual results in and through your life. After your spiritual new birth, you have a, just a beautiful growth to come from that will turn it to be a fruitfulness. You have total sufficiency for every situation in life. We see that in the scripture over and over and over. You are to handle it with accuracy. Just don't flippantly throw your words around. Make sure you understand it in context and use it properly to fight back against those who come against you. Your constant love for obedience to the word of God will give you great peace. And nothing can cause you to stumble when you're on that assurity of the word of God and applying it to your life. There, you will not stumble. You will walk so strongly and consistently there will be a peace that you cannot even explain what you're experiencing in your life. The word of God is more than adequate to cause Satan to flee. Jesus in the wilderness all he did was respond with the word of god it caused him to the enemy to flee it's our example so why aren't we not doing the same thing and the sooner we get to the word of god and start swinging that sword Start swinging it. And if you don't know how to use it, then talk to someone who knows how to do it. Come see me and we'll teach you how to use the Word of God to fight those battles. Especially when you know these life-dominating sins and you're still dealing with those, let me come see me so I can help you with the Scriptures so that we can write them down in your plan of action so that when those things come your way, you immediately implement the plan of action and that contingency plan and start going with the sword, with the Word of God. Start memorizing, start swinging and start talking about it, start singing and worshiping God, and do the plan of exodus, it will not take a hold of you. And the more you do it, the less the enemy is going to come after you because you're so strong. You're so strong in in, in, in the word and in life of what Jesus has taught you that the enemy will, yes, will try to figure out another weak point where you think you're so strong in it that you let your guard down. You never do that. That's why every day you must put on the whole, the full armor of God so that you can stand firm and resist the devil. You can stand firm and now allow the flesh to come bubbling back up to have any kind of control, especially the mind. And you will have victorious position in and fighting because Christ has covered you by God's armor. And don't forget when you're putting all the armor of God on and you start swinging, please don't forget to pray. Please don't forget to pray at all times by means of God's Spirit, especially praying for others in the body of Christ because you're not the only one being attacked. You're not the only one in the war. You're not the only one that needs help you're not the only one that, that God could help use you to help someone else. That's what it means in the discipleship journey.